Sunday morning. It's a real privilege to be able to bring God's word to you. And I'm so grateful for uh, faithful pastors like Tim Higgins. He's uh, a wonderful former student, and I'm just so grateful for his faithfulness as the pastor of this congregation. It's a huge privilege for me to be able to be here with you today. Uh, this past week, I had an opportunity briefly to talk to Don Carson, and I was telling him I was going to be preaching here at this church. And he said, well, what topic will you be preaching on? And I said, I'll be preaching on the immutability or the change, changelessness of God. And his, his, co his comment was uh, memorable. He said, well, you certainly won't lack in things to talk about. Uh, when we talk about God's immutability or God's unchanging nature, we're really wading into the, the deep side of the pool. We're, we're describing a God who that we can't, we can't even fathom. His glories, his beauty, his dependability. This is the God who we worship. This is the God who knows us in Christ. Now today we're going to be looking at various texts throughout Scripture. But I thought we would look particularly at two. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you'd open with me, first of all, to Exodus 34. I'll be reading from the NIV. We'll be first looking at a text in Exodus 34 and then a text in Hebrews 6. So Exodus, Exodus 34, verses 1 to 7. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one who is to come, no one is, no one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones, and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning, as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. And Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. And then our other text comes from the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 19. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 19. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently... Abraham received what was promised. 
men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take, hope, to, to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, how can we even begin? How can we even begin to describe your glory? How can we even begin to understand the glories of your unchanging nature? As we hear your word this morning, would you, through your Holy Spirit, not simply instruct our minds, but move us deeply in heart, that you would strengthen our trust and fill our hearts with joy, that you are the unchanging God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Well, three weeks from now, my family will celebrate my mother's 90th birthday. My mother was born on April 13, 1933. And as we prepare to celebrate her birthday, I've been reflecting on all the ways the world has changed during the span of her long and fruitful life. In 1933, the year that she was born, there were no televisions, no dishwashers, no personal computers. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was inaugurated as the 32nd President of the United States while Adolf Hitler was coming to power in Germany. The radio program Lone Ranger debuted on Detroit's radio station WXYZ. The top blockbuster movie of that year was King Kong in black and white. The Krispy Kreme Donut Store opened in Nashville, Tennessee. The 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution was repealed, allowing for the production, sale, and consumption of alcoholic beverages. Prohibition was over. The year 1933, you'll remember, was also a time of unparalleled financial crisis in the middle of the Great Depression. In that year, the average individual income was less than $3,000. A new car cost, on average, $800. An average new home cost $3,900. A ticket to the movies cost a quarter. A gallon of gas, a dime. A postage stamp, three cents. We're almost tempted to say, I wish those days would return. Change happens. Change happens. The ancient Greek philosopher Heraclides from the 5th century BC is famous for stating that everything changes and nothing stands still. And to illustrate this, he gave the example of a flowing river, observing that we cannot step into the same river twice. The river is constantly changing 
and so too our lives. Change is inevitable. And that accords with our human experience, doesn't it? We live in a world that is constantly changing around us. The seasons come and the seasons go. The economy booms and the economy busts. Babies are born while the elderly grow feeble and pass away. We crown our Olympic heroes, but their records are soon broken and their names forgotten. Our personal lives are full of change. Sometimes this change is for good, other times this change is for bad, but change is inevitable. We graduate from high school or college, we marry, we change jobs, our kids grow up, we struggle with illness, we move to a different part of the country, and along the way we revise our goals and sometimes abandon our youthful dreams. It seems that change is the only constant in our lives. Change happens. But God is not like that. Scripture teaches that the triune God whom we love and whom we worship does not change. He is immutable, unchanging. Our lives are full of change, whereas God does not change. And friends, that is very good news. For us, it's good news for us as we confront the anxiety, the instabilities, the uncertainties that often come into our lives. This morning, we'll examine passages throughout Scripture that underscore four major truths. God is changeless in His person. God is changeless in His perfections. God is changeless in His purposes. And God is changeless in His promises. The fact that the triune God is changeless should give us hope and prompt us to worship and to trust in this unchanging God. Well, first of all, Scripture teaches us that God is changeless in His person. In His very nature, God is the changeless one. He's not merely unchanging, He is incapable of change. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the God of eternal sameness, infinite constancy. The author of Psalm 102 compares the changing physical world to our immutable God. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will cherish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, but you remain the same, O God, and your years will never end. David repeats this idea in Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the, world, the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. More than 20 times in the Psalms, God is compared to a rock, a metaphor that communicates that the Lord is solid, utterly dependable, constant and unchanging, and consequently a sure refuge for his people. And so David in Psalm 18 can state, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? God is unchanging. Now, when we say that God is unchanging or immutable, 
in his person, this doesn't mean that God is apathetic or indifferent toward his creation, nor does this mean that God is stuck in his ways or out of touch with reality, like someone who still writes letters on an old Smith Corona typewriter. No, Scripture shows us that even as God is changeless in his essence and being, he continues to interact with his world through his dynamic energies, creating, sustaining, redeeming, judging, and consummating all things. Theologian Thomas Winandi states it like this, God is unchangeable not because he is inert or static, but just for the opposite reason. God is so dynamic, so active, that no change can make him more active. He is act, pure and simple. God is changeless in his person. He's not changed by time. He doesn't get better or worse with age. He is not changed by circumstances. He doesn't become jaded or hardened. He doesn't become disinterested. He doesn't lose courage. He's certainly not changed by us. Our actions do not increase or diminish his glory. The ragings of the nations do not alter his plans, his purposes, or his promises. God remains changeless. When Lloyd C. Douglas, the author of The Robe, was a university student, he lived in a boarding house. Downstairs on the first floor was an elderly, retired music teacher who was infirm and unable to leave his apartment. Every morning when Douglas would leave for school, he would come down the stairs and open the old man's door and ask, well, what's the good news for today? The old music teacher would pick up his tuning fork, tap it on his wheelchair and say, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday. It will be middle C tomorrow. It will be middle C a thousand years from now. That is middle C. Our neighbor, the tenor upstairs, sings flat. The piano across the hall is out of tune. But, my friend, that is middle C. You see, the old man had discovered one thing upon which he could depend. One constant reality in his life. One thing that didn't change. Middle C. In the same way, we as Christians worship an unchanging triune God. A God who will be the same today, same tomorrow, the same a thousand years from now. God is unchanging in his person. Now, at this point, some of us might ask, but doesn't the Bible sometimes say that God changes his mind or repents of decisions that he makes? In Genesis 6, for example, when God looks upon the wickedness of the human race spreading over the face of the earth, we are told in Scripture that the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Or again, in Jonah chapter 3, after the prophet Jonah has preached judgment against the wicked city of Nineveh, we read, when God saw that the Ninevites turned from their evil ways, God repented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Do these biblical texts indicate that God in his essence and purposes is changing? 
Not really. J.I. Packer notes, the reference in each case is to a reversal of God's previous treatment of people resulting from their reaction to that treatment. There's no suggestion here that these new circumstances have caught God by surprise or changed his eternal purposes and plans. God's sovereign plan from the outset was to show mercy towards those who repented and turned from their wickedness. The testimony of Scripture, then, is that God is changeless in his person. I really like the statement of A.W. Pink. God cannot change for the better, for he's already perfect. And being perfect, he cannot change for the worse. God is changeless in his person. Secondly, God is changeless in his perfections or in his character. God's divine attributes are changeless. The divine qualities of his person never increase or decrease. They are eternal without change. Of course, as, as human beings, our emotions and character constantly change depending upon our mood swings, our circumstances, our temperament, our age, our habits, our customs. Our love is fickle. Our wisdom is feeble. Our justice can be negotiable. Our righteousness is variable. Over time, we become more or less good. We become more or less compassionate. We become more or less humble. But not so with God. His character is unchangeable. And we see this truth throughout the Scripture. For example, in Malachi 3, verse 6, we learn that God's mercy does not change. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. In 2 Timothy, verses, chapter 2, verse 13, we see that God's faithfulness does not change. If we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Or again, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, we learn that God's word of truth does not change. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. One of the best definitions of God, I mean, can we even define God? But one of the best human efforts to define God is written in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, a Puritan catechism written in 1647. Listen, listen to this definition of God. The catechism, catechism states, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. I'll read that again. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Note here how God's immutability defines all his other attributes. God is not merely wise. He is not merely powerful. He is not merely holy or merely good. Rather, God is unchangeable in his wisdom. God is unchangeable in his power. 
God is unchangeable in his holiness. He's unchangeable in his justice, in his goodness and truth. God's character does not change. And this means that we can trust who he is. We can trust what he says. We can trust what he does. Scripture presents to us a God who is utterly reliable in his divine perfections. What that means, friends, is that God is and will be faithful to you, and he is and will be faithful to me. God is unchanging in his character. Now, let me illustrate it this way from Exodus 34. Exodus 34 is arguably the most detailed and awesome description of God that we find in the Bible. In Exodus 33, Moses has asked God to give him wisdom to lead the Israelite nation. He's asked that God would present, would be present with him and go before him on their journeys through the wilderness. And most audaciously, Moses asks of God, show me your glory. In response, God tells Moses that he will place him in the cleft of a rock and reveal to him the backside of his glorious presence. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, God says, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And then, here in Exodus 34, the text that we read this morning, as promised, God appears to Moses on Mount Sinai in all of his glory. We read, then the Lord came down in a cloud, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the, the wicked unpunished. Here God is described beautifully as gracious, compassionate, merciful, loving, faithful, just, forgiving. What? What a God. Now, for our purposes, it's remarkable that this beautiful description of God here in Exodus 34 is repeated or echoed throughout the Old Testament in no fewer than 11 different passages. These same words are found not only on the mouth of Moses, but they're also found in the mouths of King David, the psalmists, King Hezekiah, Nehemiah, Joel, Jonah, Nahum. This description of God is echoed throughout the Old Testament. In other words, in the span of Jewish history, from Moses to David to Hezekiah, to the prophets to Nehemiah, over 800 years of biblical history, the character of God has remained constant, unchanging. Moreover, as New Testament Christians, we see that these same qualities are displayed perfectly, beautifully, in our Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, our good shepherd, whose life perfectly reflects these qualities. 
graciousness, compassion, mercy, love, faithfulness, justice, forgiving. God is unchanging in his perfections. And this makes all the difference. For those, those of us who are children of God by faith in Christ, we can have complete confidence that God's love for us will never diminish. God's faithfulness toward us will never fail. God's compassion will never change. Moreover, God's truth as revealed in His Word will never become outdated or irrelevant or in need of correction. Our glorious God never changes in His character or perfections. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, puts it this way. What peace it brings to the Christian's heart to realize that our Heavenly Father never differs from Himself. In coming to Him at any time, we need not wonder, wonder whether we shall find Him in a receptive mood. He is always receptive to misery and to need, as well as to love and faith. He does not keep office hours nor set aside periods when he'll see no one. Neither does God change his mind about anything. Today, this moment, he feels toward his creatures, towards babies, toward the sick, the fallen, the sinful, exactly as he did when he sent his only begotten son into the world to die for mankind. Brothers and sisters, God is changeless in his perfections. And this is good news for us in a world that is constantly changing. So we've seen that God is changeless in his person. God is changeless in his perfections. Thirdly, we see that God is changeless in his purposes. There is no plan B in God's purpose for our world or in his sovereign plan for our lives. What God planned from the beginning, he continues to accomplish according to to his righteousness, his power, his love, and his wisdom. Speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God states, I am God and there is none like me. My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Or again in James chapter 1, Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God's purposes and plans for us and for human history do not shift like shadows, but remain fixed, unmovable, like the stars of heaven. Now, we might ask, so what are God's changeless purposes? What is God about and when we ask that question, we find the great storyline of the Bible. What is the purpose of God? It's God's plan to liberate the creation which is in bondage to decay and death. It's God's plan to adopt a people for himself, to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. It's God's, God's purpose to have a family, those who trust in Christ. It's God's plan to reconcile rebellious sinners to himself through the death of his dear son. 
It's God's plan to judge the unrepentant. It's God's plan to inaugurate his eternal kingdom of righteousness and peace for his elect. It's God's plan to exalt his beloved son and subject all things in heaven and on earth to his headship. And all this to the praise of his glorious name. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. That's God's plan. This is a good plan. And what hope and confidence this gives us, each one of us today. God's purposes for us, God's purposes for you in Christ are good purposes. God's purposes for you in Christ will not change. Robert Morgan tells the story of a sailor serving in the South Pacific during World War II who was frightened and homesick. His way of life and all that was familiar to him was gone. He was surrounded by strangers, unsure of his fate from moment to moment. Standing on the deck of the ship that he served one night, he spotted the big and little dippers, Scorpio and Gemini, the same constellations he observed in the black skies back home in Ohio. And suddenly he felt a deep sense of peace. The God that watched over him in Ohio was the same God who watched over him now, far from home. God's purpose of, purposes for him, like the stars, had not changed. God was changeless in his purposes for him. And so too it is with us. God's purposes for us remain fixed, immovable, like the stars in the heavens. This fact is of great consequence for us, for each of us, in our daily spiritual lives. God's purposes for you, for me, do not change. The God who created you, the God who has watched over and guarded your life through childhood, through teenage years, through pregnancy, into adulthood, the God who has enabled you to repent and believe his gospel, the God who has given you new life in Christ, the God who has given you the blessed gift of the Holy Spirit to guide you, to comfort you, to instruct you, the God who has been with you amidst life's greatest joys and darkest sorrows is the same God, the same God, who will sustain your life and at its appointed time bring you by the hand into his glorious presence with rejoicing. Because God's purposes and plans do not change, the Apostle Paul could boldly state, all things work together for the good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Our God is changeless in his purposes. So we've seen that God is changeless in his person, God is changeless in his perfections. God is changeless in his purposes. And finally, fourthly, God is changeless in his promises. In human relationships, people often violate our trust. Some of us know that all too acutely, all too painfully. 
Political candidates promise that they will never raise taxes, and once in office, they break their word. Our spouses promise to love and cherish us until death do us part, and then they abandon us. Our best friend promises to be there for us, and then she moves out of state. In our human experience, words are cheap and promises easily broken. But not so with God. God is changeless in His promises. His word is His bond. His promises are completely trustworthy. What He has promised, our God will do. This important truth is beautifully communicated in the second passage that we read aloud this morning, the passage from Hebrews 6, verses 17 to 19. Let me just read that text again. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purposes, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that's set before us. We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor, an anchor for our soul. Now, this passage is tightly packed, but I think the author to the Hebrews is really saying four major things in this text. First, he's talking about the covenant that God made with the patriarch Abraham. God made an oath or promise to Abraham to bless him and his spiritual descendants. And that's a promise, incidentally, made not only to Abraham and his offspring, but to us, those of us who believe in Christ. Secondly, in this text, God's, we're told that God's covenant or promise is certain because it is based on two unchangeable things. You might ask, well, what are those two unchangeable things? The fact that God does not change and the fact that God's promises do not change. Those are the two things the author is trusting in. That God does not change and God's promises do not change. Then third, he emphasizes the fact that God and his promises are unchanging. This gives us, as Christians, hope and encouragement. Our hope and encouragement comes from these two unchangeable things. Namely, that God does not change and his promises don't change. And then fourthly in this text, the author compares this hope that we have to an anchor. An anchor which provides a firm and secure foundation for Christians as they live their lives. So these two unchangeable things that God is unchanging and his promises do, are unchanging gives us hope. And this hope is like an anchor in our lives that roots us deeply in the unchanging promises of a God who knows us and a God who loves us. This image of an anchor is so striking to me. In the midst of the storms and gale winds of our lives, God's unchanging character and God's unchanging promises are like this anchor that keeps us from drifting or capsizing in the storm. Do you feel today like you're drifting? 
Are you frightened that you may capsize? Those who've placed their trust in Christ have this anchor. God's person, God's promises that are unchanging. We have hope in the midst of life's greatest difficulties, deepest tragedies, most difficult circumstances. But we might say, but how can we be sure of this? How can we be sure that the eternal, all-powerful God will keep His promises? And you know what Scripture tells us about that? The answer is actually the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ the God-man who came and suffered on a human cross. Jesus Christ is the proof that God keeps His promises. His promises to you, His promises to me. Thus, all the promises that we find in Scripture and all the promises that Jesus Christ made during His earthly ministry on earth are promises for us today, for you, for me. Today, what challenges, what difficulties, what anxieties do you face? What heartbreaks or what fears are you experiencing? What, what uncertainties do you face today? Friends, in the midst of our changes, we need an anchor of hope to ground us. And that anchor is the changeless person of God, the changeless promises of God. Now, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, a Christ follower, God has promised, listen, God has promised that if you repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's a promise. And today, God's word to you is to repent, to trust in Christ, to grasp a hold of Christ by faith, and seek forgiveness and new life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is God's promise to you if you repent, if you believe in God's gospel. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have guaranteed God's good promises to bank on. Let's just take a moment. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, listen to what Jesus promises you today. Listen. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Listen. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen to Christ's words of promise to you. In this world, you will have many troubles. 
but take heart. I have overcome the world. Listen to the words of Jesus to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to the words of promise to you. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Listen to Jesus' words to us. Surely I am with you always. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Our God is changeless in his person. He is changeless in his perfections. He is changeless in his purposes and his plans. Our God is changeless in his promises. He is our sure and faithful anchor. And friends, he deserves our worship. He deserves our trust in the midst of the changes of our lives. This hymn we sing so often, but may its words come alive anew in our hearts. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, New mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, to me. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, how can we even begin to understand this? How can we even begin to fathom the glories of your person, the one who does not change, the one whose promises are like an anchor that root us, that protect us in the midst of life's difficulties and storms. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would instruct our spirits not simply our minds, but our spirits. And enable us to be men and women and boys and girls who are quicker to trust you, quicker to trust your word, quicker to trust your promises. Enable us in the midst of our storms today to be people who confidently state, great is thy faithfulness. We pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.